everyone and welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily and today I want to talk about despair. And in the Psalms, we hear a lot of beautiful, beautiful poems um, and writings regarding despair. And we often in the Psalms hear God referred to as our shield, our stronghold, our fortress, um, our help, the one who sustains us. And um, it gets really repetitive if you're trying to read lots, but I love that each psalm is so uniquely individual in the way they um, proclaim God's love and how he answers us in our times of trouble and despair. And um, I love the real human emotion that's written in the psalm that's so relatable um, thousands of years later. Um, that we all experience. So I want to talk to you guys today about despair um, stemming from the Psalms. Um, It's just so beautiful. Um, In Psalm 52, we see a a bit of a dichotomy between good versus evil. And we see how the writer is describing um, just the presence of people that are evil in this person's life and um, people that boast of themselves rather than God and we know that when we boast of ourselves it's a bit of a trap that the enemy um, prepares for us and it allows ourselves to um, have a false sense of control and assurance that um, that we are the production of our good things in our life but we know as scripture tells us that apart from God, there is no good thing. And um, we have to be careful not to think that our hands have produced um, our wealth and our gain in this world, because it's actually God who produced um, produces that for us. So to boast of ourselves is a dangerous trap. And um, seeing this and um, the writer describes uh, seeing people boasting in this way and people who use words harmfully. It says in Psalm 52 verse 4, you love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. And um, it says in verse 7, here now is a man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. And for me, I can definitely think of a lot of uh, political and academic figures that are along those lines of growing strong by destroying others. And um, I think it's really still so relevant today. And this experience is causing the writer of the psalm so much despair. And um, to see this deceit and to see this um, evil doings um, in front of his eyes. But I love this, um, this next verse. In verse 8 it says, But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. And that's so beautiful that even in this person's despair, um, being surrounded by evil doings, he says that he's flourishing in the house of God like an olive tree. Um, And I like that because it gives us hope and inspiration that even in the midst of our despair, that we can still flourish. And I think that's sometimes hard to see as a potential option or possibility because um, despair is brought on by so many horrific things that can happen to us in this world. Um, And 
the potential to be and feel harm in this world is so great because we know we live in a fallen world according to God. Um, and so as according to Genesis, we know it's a fallen world and it's just um, so beautiful to hear this writer talking about flourishing in the midst of the despair. Um, so in verse nine, he goes on to say, for what you have done in referring to what God has done, he says, I will praise you. I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people and I will hope in your name, and your name is good. I want to break that apart a little bit more, because I think sometimes when we're in despair, um, we really want comfort, and we'll seek comfort wherever we can get it. Sometimes that's in really good things, uh, like loved ones. Sometimes that's in um, bad things like alcohol. Like That's not, well, God gave us alcohol. It's not something we should turn to in despair as a cure or a comfort. Um, because that's not God's intention for us, because there's potential for abuse and harm with that. And so we see that um, the writer is talking about praising God in the midst of this and hoping in the Lord um, rather than himself, rather than the comforts of the world. And it's just so beautiful to see this level of um, choosing to trust God instead of, um, things that are harmful. So, um, basically the Psalms are just littered with these beautiful, beautiful poems. Um, I encourage you to read a Psalm today. If you haven't, uh, read one in a while, it might be, um, really thought provoking and inspiring for you if you're going through a rough time because of relatability. In Psalm 54, the writer says, surely God is my help. The Lord is one who sustains me. And I like that because it's so individualized. It's not like, um, sometimes when writers in the Bible say about like God being Israel's stronghold or Jacob's stronghold and savior, it's like, it feels a little bit removed um, from the individual, such as you and me. And I love when the writers in Psalms say, the Lord is my help. Because just as the Lord was David's help, he's our help presently too. Um, in Psalm 53, it says, God looks down from heaven on all mankind. Um, and so, so that means that God is uh, looking down on us individually. And we are so grateful and lucky to have that kind of care from our God, that he cares for each one of us individually, as individual people. And then back to Psalm 54, it says, the Lord is the one who sustains me. And um, that kind of gets back to what we were just talking about with the um, flourishing in the midst of our suffering and despair. Um, the Lord is the one who sustains us if we allow him to, if we invite him into that process. Um, if we want to know how to flourish in hard times, we must um, depend on the Lord. Um, in my study Bible, it says, the Lord accepts and forgives those who are honest with him, who are humble before him, and who recognize their dependence on his grace. I really like that because it's so true. We have to admit that we are dependent on God's grace. Without God's grace, we cannot flourish. And um, if we are flourishing, it's more of a false sense 
of it. Um, it's like people who tr- trust in their riches, like we just talked about in verse 7 of Psalm 52. Here is a man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Um, this man that he's talking about is relying on himself, not God. God is not his stronghold. His wealth is. Um, and we see in other Psalms, you can't take your wealth to the grave. Um, but God's strength is eternal. So you can have God's strength in this world and the one to come. And it's a humility posture of admitting that we need his grace. And I think sometimes in despair, we're either so upset with God or ourselves or other people that it's hard to come to him with humility um, and, and ask for grace. Because sometimes we're so distraught and in so much pain and so deeply, deeply hurt by something that's happened um, that we, we turn from God and we don't want to talk to him because we're just too upset. And it takes a lot of strength and effort to push through that pain and to speak a prayer in your head, to speak a prayer out loud, to listen to a psalm and sing to it, to get up and attend church, to open the pages of the Bible. It feels like lifting a thousand pound weight sometimes. And that's not a unique experience. That's something we all go through as um, children of God. In our despair, we feel the need to flee. It's like the flight and flight response. It's like we just feel the need to flight and to flee God's presence um, because of the pain, because of the guilt, because of the suffering. We tend to be fearful of letting God into that because we don't know what would happen. We're just kind of in recovery mode. We're still searching for that comfort. And it's sometimes really difficult to push past the discomfort and to seek God. But in return, he gives us his grace, which we know deep down we need. And so if we can approach God with humility and ask him for help um, and give him honest conversation and give him our honest heart, um, God seeks our hearts. Um, He knows our hearts. And um, we're better off to just be honest and confess the desires of our heart and ask God for help with, with all that we're going through. Um, in our disparity. Um, Sometimes we're hurt because of something that happens to us, something we've done, but in Psalm 55, it's a psalm of betrayal, and I think so often we feel like our problems are so unique, um, and they are to an extent because God's created us all as um, unique, beautiful, um, wonderfully made people, and Basically, it's just, um, it's not a unique experience to feel betrayal, but I think often because our individual situations are slightly unique with different people and different personalities and different acts, it can feel really isolating and alone. And the disparity that comes with that is, once again, just so isolating. Um, And sometimes we forget that the Bible has um, plenty of stuff written about what we've gone through ourselves personally um it's a little bit different or slightly different times or different writing but um there's a lot of relatability to be found and so um i want to talk to you guys about psalm 55 which is about betrayal and the disparity that this writer's in so it says uh verse one and two it says listen to my prayer O god do not ignore my plea hear me and answer me My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying. And I like 
the relatability of that. It hits hard because how many times have we had thoughts that are troubling and causing distraught and despair? Um, Thoughts that perpetuate past harmful experiences that we keep focusing on and um, they bring us down and they prevent us from feeling uh, like we're flourishing in life, feeling like we're even content in life. And these thoughts are so dis- just full of disparity and um, and harm to our own mental states. And so this writer in Psalm 55, he gets that. He, my thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught because of what my enemy is saying. And I even like sometimes replacing the word my with the because of what the enemy is saying. Because I think sometimes um, negative automatic thoughts or NATs, um, it's a psychology term, but basically negative automatic thoughts are those things that pop into your brain that are just really awful. Maybe it's like, oh, you look fat in that, you look ugly, um, things like that. Things that are just like absolute attacks on ourselves that we have these thoughts that pop into our brain. And sometimes certain people are really good at ignoring that or turning that off. And sometimes we fall victim to it and we start to believe those thoughts over time. But I think often the enemy uses those thoughts to, to hurt us and to prevent us from, from feeling good and to flourish and to, um, to really step forward into the kingdom of God. Um, he uses that to prevent us from that. And so I love the honesty and the, of the disparity of the situation because whether it is the enemy putting thoughts in our own brain or if it is someone in your life who's actually saying harmful things that's causing you um, upsetting thoughts, either way, it's, it's not a pleasant experience and it definitely does cause disparity and grief and just a whole lot of pain. So let's work through this pain a bit more. In verse four, it says, my heart is in anguish within me. It says, the terrors of death have fallen on me. In verse 5, fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. And if that's not disparity, I don't know what is. Because that is deeply, deeply um, just so overwhelming to, um, to read because it's so relatable. And it just speaks to the times and trials that we go through um, in this world. Um, to have our hearts in anguish within us, I, it just is so beautiful. It's better than any Shakespeare or anything else. Um, I just, I love the way that that's written. Um, and so we go on to understand in Psalm 55 that it wasn't just a, someone random or an enemy that had been saying these hurtful things to the writer It was actually a friend, and a lot of us have faced betrayal by a family member, a friend, a really close loved one, and it stings in a different way than if it was just a random person. It it hurts deep, it cuts deep, and it's troubling, it causes anguish and disparity, and it does cause fear, and it does cause horror, the horror that someone could treat you like that way, and it causes um, long-lasting hurt, and so we've got to give it to God. But I want to read to you um, the betrayal described by the psalmist. And so in verse uh, 12 of Psalm 55, the writer says, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. 
And so this person is saying kind of what I said before, which is just that, um, you know, if it's just a random person or someone you're a bit more removed from, it still hurts when people say mean things um, or do mean things, but um, it hurts more when there's a deep connection that's been built. It says in verse 13, but it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. Verse 14, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we talked about among the worshipers. So clearly we can see these people were close friends. Um, and it is often that we experience hurt, whether it's uh, with close friends at school, um, childhood best friends, friends at work. Um, we're just surrounded by people that we are desperately ta- trying to be in community and connection with because that's one of our like innate things. We always want connection, whether it's family or friends. It's um, something we seek as people um, and part of God's design for us, most certainly. That's why he says, love others as I have loved you, um, because it's important for community and it's important for connection. But when people fall short of that, and we all fall extremely short of that command, um, it's just heart-wrenching to experience and to be on the receiving end of someone treating you that way when you care about them um, and the disparity that goes with it. So then in verse 16, the writer says, As for me, I call to the Lord, and the Lord saves me. In verse 17, Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. In verse 18, he rescues me unharmed. And so essentially, I... um. I think sometimes we read things in the Bible and it sounds like the um, the people that are writing or the different people in the book, it sounds like they have their life all figured out and they're so great, they're so holy, they're so righteous. And then we start to feel a bit removed and we feel like, well, like the Lord hasn't saved me yet. And like, we just feel a bit more removed from the writing sometimes when these um, great writers... Um, describe their relationship with God, but rather than comparing ourselves, because God does not want us to compare ourselves to other people, um, we're supposed to look at ourselves individually in our own relationship with God. Um, we shouldn't look at it as a comparison opportunity. We should look at it as a, um, as an encouragement that that relationship that was there for the writer, um, for Psalm 55, that relationship with God that that writer has is the same one that's available to you and me today. And so when it says, as for me, I call to the Lord and the Lord saves me. Um, I think we can be like, oh, well, I, I, I've, there's been times in my life I haven't called to the Lord and there's been times he hasn't saved me, or at least I feel like he hasn't saved me. And maybe there's something you're going through right now. He hasn't saved you from, um, or there's someone you really cared about and God didn't save them. And, it's really hard to read that, um, and it causes, those thoughts are very full of disparity, but um, verse 17 is where we really get that sense of encouragement, that deep encouragement that there is a gift um, available to all of us in our disparity, which is that evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice, um, and that he rescues me unharmed, and so basically it's saying what is similar in Philippians 4, 6, 7, which says, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but um, 
be anxious for nothing, but in everything um, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that verse is all about anxiety and giving it up to the Lord. But it also gives clear instruction as to how we're supposed to cast our despair and our anxiety and our worry onto the God. It says with prayer, so communication relationship with God, with petitions, so repeatedly, keep bringing it to him. Don't give up. Um, keep your hope and faith in the Lord and bring it to him as often and as much as you can, whether it's silently, it's whether it's out loud, whether it's in psalm, whether it's in art, it doesn't matter in whatever way you can uh, bring it to him and then it also says in petition so we want to bring it to him as much as possible and sorry I just said petition (laughs) but I meant thanksgiving um and thanksgiving and we want to thank God because um he is the one who saves and he's the one who listens to us and I think sometimes when we don't get an answer or the answer we want um, it's really feels hurtful and it feels frustrating. And sometimes we can be really angry at God for not, um, answering our prayers the way we want or the way we need. And sometimes when the stakes are really high and it's about really deep things and really, um, you know, life-changing things, it can feel really hurtful when God doesn't, um, answer us the way we want. But I think we need to be comforted by knowing that God hears our voice and he knows our hearts. And, that alone is just so encouraging because um, what other God, there is no God that cares about us. There is, first of all, there is no other God. And then even the false gods, they don't care about you. No one on this earth cares about you the way that God cares about you. Um, if we picture the most love we've ever experienced in our life, to know that God is a million times, whatever that is, is just awe. Like, it's just in awe of the amazing love that he has for each and every one of us to hear our voices individually and to actually care like that every time you speak to him he's listening every room you're in he's there with you um that he transcends all those time and space barriers is like who hard to wrap your head around and frankly i'm not saying i have even personally it's like beyond our comprehension um how mighty and how strong he truly is and All I do know with absolute certainty is that it is an absolute gift that he hears our voice and knows our hearts. And so if we feel that God hasn't answered our prayers in the way we were wanting him to and we are in distress, um, keep bringing things to him with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Uh, Thank him for being the God that listens to us every time we speak. And um, just keep talking to him. Uh, make your voice known to him each and every day, even if it's just in your head, whether it's a whisper, whether it's a shout. Um, when you cry out in distress, he hears you and he knows what you're thinking before you even speak. Um, and that is so beautiful. And that is why we give him Thanksgiving. That is just one reason why we give Thanksgiving to God, because he cares and he does rescue us um, from our troubles. Um, in verse twenty. Two of Psalm 55, it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Sometimes when I used to read that stuff, I'd read, The righteous be shaken. Oh, so if I'm shaken, then I'm not righteous? Because I'm in despair right now. I'm going through what feels like hell and back right now, and I'm shaken. And I think we need to understand that the writer is not 
um, it's not literal. It's not a literal saying that the righteous won't ever be shaken. The righteous won't ever, um, you know, go through a hard time. It's just saying that the righteous won't be, um, don't need to be, um, reacting in the way that the world would react to something because we don't need to be as shaken and stirred because we know this life is temporary and we know the one to come is eternal and therefore we don't have to worry the same way others do because God is the one who's sustaining us and supporting us and caring for us at all times wherever we are whatever we're doing God is there with us and he's absolutely got his hand on our hearts and walking us through whatever situation we're in and all we must do is cast our cares on him He doesn't say, you know, you have to read your Bible every single day and then you can cast your cares on me. He doesn't say you have to attend church every Sunday and then you can cast your cares on me. He doesn't say you have to do X, Y, Z and then you can cast your cares on me. It's an open invitation for every single person, Christ follower or not. It is his gift to us. It's why Jesus died on the cross so that every single one of us would have that opportunity to have a relationship with him. And to give up to him everything that is on our hearts, everything that hurts, everything that we are struggling with, everything that causes us pain and distress um, of our days. It's something that we can give to him because he cares. And um, he won't let us be shaken, certainly not eternally, in the sense of the non-literal meaning of it, of course. Um, And... I just love the honesty, the honesty of the Psalms. In Psalm 51, um, it's a Psalm of David, so David is presumed as the writer. And basically, David committed adultery and murder. Um, And if you've never read about that story, I would totally recommend going back and checking it out. Because David is the most talked about person in the Bible besides, like, Jesus and God. So... I would totally recommend you um, read about the story of David if you haven't. He was a shepherd's boy. He fought Goliath against all odds. Um, He won because he had God's hand in it um, and God was with him. Then King David went on to um, be a great king. And one day he was um, on the rooftop and um, spotted a woman named Bethsha. Anyways, I can't pronounce her name, but... He spotted this woman and he was like, wow, she's more beautiful than anyone I've ever seen. Keep in mind, David's already married at this point. And he basically uh, has sex with her and there's like no other way of really saying that. We don't know if it was who was consenting and who wasn't consenting. It's a little unclear and theologians have a lot of different theology about, you know, what actually happened, if it was if she was willing or not willing. And regardless of that, we know that David was absolutely in the wrong in the situation. Um, and David feels a lot of guilt over it. Anyways, he winds up like getting her pregnant while uh, this girl's husband is away at war. Like this is like an episode of Keeping Up the Kardashians, but like in the time of like David. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I think sometimes we think the Bible is so old and stogy and it's like, it's not. It's full and alive of so many stories that are so real like today and just um, full of humanity, um, the darkness and the light and all of it that encompasses. 
all that we go through is um, just immersed into the Bible. And essentially, David um, decides to kill off this woman's husband so that he won't get in trouble for getting her pregnant and, like, sleeping with his wife. So David commits adultery and murder. And um, so that's the context of this Psalm 51 and also of David's life. Um, but David was a great man. And we know um, it's even said that David had a like a heart at, just like God's. And um, that's like a huge comparison to make um, that was made by, I think, God himself. I can't remember. But anyways, it was like we know that David is so highly favored and looked up to and upon by God. And it's just like, um, just so realistic that David was human and he made major mistakes just as you and I do. Um, and he was in distress because of them, because of what he had done. But let's look at what David does in Psalm 51 that he talks about. Um, in verse two, it says, wash away all my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. I think that is just right then and there. If you're going through a hard time and you've done something wrong and you feel like guilt and shame and it's so overwhelming and it's just unbearable, I think that's just a great little prayer you can say. It's like one sentence. Lord, please wash away all my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. Because I think the visual of the word cleanse, like to take like a holy bath in God's presence of just a removal of the guilt and shame of the sin and then the cleanliness and rebirth of coming out of that afterwards, I think it's a really great prayer to pray and to just visualize that um, spiritual clean, cleaning process of a bath um, and being made new and fresh and holy again, because that's what we are as Christ followers. We walk in holiness. That doesn't mean we don't sin, though. Um, there's a quote that once says, to sin is human, but to persist in sin is it's just devilish. And so um, it's normal for Christ followers to sin, but we have to seek, um, we have to seek um, a spiritual cleansing from it. And that's only possible by repentance and bringing it on God's feet and asking for forgiveness and help to move forward from it. So um, to picture every time we pray that, wash away all my inequity and cleanse me from my sin is just a way of asking for forgiveness. And that's simply... You need not do anything more. You don't earn God's love through works. You don't earn this cleansing through works. It is a Christ plus nothing religion and relationship with God more than that. And he doesn't ask for anything more. Then you need to pray that prayer and then ask him for help um, in moving forward from it. And it goes on in verse 3. David says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. How human is that? Sin is always before us. It's sitting ahead of us. And we're going to walk into it over and over and over again. Um, it's always going to be um, one step ahead of us. It's always going to be enticing. It's always going to be hard to say no. Um, and I like that acknowledgement that David has. He knows it's always before him. Um, but then we see that it's only through God that we get through that. Um in verse 10, David says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's also such a good prayer to pray when we're feeling guilt, unworthy, and shame. Those are not feelings God wants us to feel at all. God wants us to feel his love. God wants us to feel love for others. And um, 
we are limited in our relationship with God and others um, and with our own well-being, of course, when we're having thoughts of guilt and shame and unworthiness. So I love the, the line, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because our hearts are not pure as human. And, um, but it's something we can strive for at the same time. It's not possible because then we'd be Jesus, but it's something we can strive for. Um, we want to have pure hearts as much as humanly possible. And so that's something we can ask God for, especially for help with. Um, whether we're struggling with an addiction or um, a certain proclivity to something, um, we can ask God for a pure heart over that situation um, and that desire. And then I love when it, David says, renew a steadfast spirit within me, because that's what we all need. It's not just one baptism and we're just going to be these perfect Christians that never sin, um, perfect people that never experience pain we're going to experience pain and hardships and trials. Um, And it's not just a, okay, God, I love you, and then separation from that. No, it's an asking of God to renew his spirit within us every day, saying, God, I need you to do a new thing in me. I need you to renew your spirit, a steadfast spirit within me, um, because I need you. And that's how we get through disparity, is asking God to heal us, asking God to make us new again every day. And that's okay. It's not a sign of weakness. In fact, it's a sign of strength to use God as your strength. Um, in verse 12, David says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I love that once again, he's, at, he's choosing in his disparity, in his guilt, in his suffering, to ask God for help, to give him a willing spirit. Um, I so often do not have a willing spirit. Um, I feel exhausted all the time personally, and um, I feel like there's many things I'm not willing to go do, but I need God to put a willing spirit within me um, to sustain me through busy times in my life, and it's only through God that I can do that. Um, God surpasses our wildest knowledge. He's the one who performs miracles. He um, cures cancer. He, um, you know, joins a husband and wife. He does so many things that to others are so impossible, but, um, with man, everything is impossible. And with God, all things are possible. We know that in scripture and, um, for God to give us a willing spirit and to sustain us is a great prayer and thing to ask him when we're feeling disparity. Um, and I like when he says too, restore me to the joy of your salvation, because we should always try and take joy in the Lord and joy in his salvation, um, even in our worst days and moments and hardest times. Um, because the longer we sit in misery and disparity, um, the harder it is. And even in disparity, we can have um, flourishing, as we talked about earlier. So the only way we can do that is through the joy of the Lord and through the joy of salvation and um, let that be a constant reminder to us um, in hard times Um, and then lastly I just want to talk about David's remorse in verse 17 he says my sacrifice O God is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart I love the honesty he brings to God's feet that he just describes what is broken and what he he tells God what's broken what 
is on his heart and then he asks God to make him whole and to make him pure and to renew within him. And when we are going through disparity, whether it's um, fault of our own sin or fault of someone else's sin or just something that's purely just happened, um, we got to seek God and his renewing capacities because we won't find it in the comforts of the world. We can only find it at the feet of the cross. And um, it's hard, as we talked about, it's hard and takes a lot of effort to motivate ourselves to get to that point, to get to that energy. But that's why we ask that God would give us a new steadfast spirit, a willing spirit, that God would help us out of that pain, out of that suffering, and that he would deliver us. And that's why the Psalms are so encouraging. It's all about God as a stronghold. God is a savior. God is the shield. God is the one who saves us every single day. And all we have to do is turn. Um, and that does sometimes take a lot of effort. But um, if we ask him for help with that effort to give us a willing spirit, he will do that for us. And I truly believe that because it's what it says. And that's what he's done for me personally. And I know he'll do it for you too. So um, let us pray to close today, this podcast. God, I thank you that you give us a way to find flourishing in our disparity and in our pain that in your name we can seek your refuge and seek your righteousness, which will bring us joy even in the midst of our suffering, and that you care for each and every one of us individually, that you hear our cries and our distress, and that you're right there with us in any and every situation, that all you want from us is our prayer, is our a relationship with us, and that you ask nothing of us in return other than faith in you, and that you've offered us a Christ plus nothing relationship that all we have to do is turn to you and love you and we need not do nothing more to experience your love and so God would you please put it in all of our hearts today to encourage you in difficult times of distress um, and disparity and that you would put it on our hearts to seek you and give us a willing spirit that would sustain us in these difficult times that we may face at various points in our lives so that you would be our comfort, that you would heal our broken spirit, that you would heal our hearts, and we would experience flourishing every single day because we remain in the house of God, even here on earth. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we love you, and we thank you that you offer this relationship to us with the Almighty and Heavenly Father. And in your name we pray, amen. So I hope this word goes well with you today, and I We'll pray nothing but the best for anyone who's listening to this, that no matter your disparity, that God would help you out of it um, and that you would seek him continually um, and allow him to be the stronghold of your life um, in any and every situation um, because you deserve his comfort, which is um, eternal. And anyways, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I will hear you guys next time. Bye.